Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Bat Banter, season 4, episode 18. A little bit late on the pickup this time, recording on a Monday afternoon, so apologies to all of you, all the loyal listeners out there, well, um, not many of you, but hey, you're still there listening, and I love it, and I appreciate it. But it's a WA Domestic Sports Weekly Wrap, where today's podcast is proudly supported by the team of Matt and Anna at Roller Games, and they're mad for footy board game where they're kicking big bags of goals, making turnovers at critical times, and changing the way footy is delivered one game at a time. That's what this new AFL-inspired ball game is all about, and you can find them on our at Roller Games on Instagram, Roller Games on Facebook, and rollergames.com.au, that's R-O-L-L-A, to find a bit more about them, but more importantly, to get your hands on a Mad for Footy board game for you and the family. And let me just take a quick minute to do a little bit of self-promotion. The AFL podcast, uh, the review and the preview Uh, is back up and running uh, this Wednesday, so stay tuned. Uh, That's going to be dropping in your hot hands over the coming days. But uh, talking about all things domestic sports, let's start off on the basketball court, and that means it's our Perth Lynx. Across the glass, comes body on body. McDonald's, A-back, with an A-grade finish. Wow. Turning around on that occasion, it's McDonald's. Star import. Atwell comes up with the steal and the basket. Boy, she's been impressive. Now let's get to game one of the semi-final series up against Townsville away. Uh, and that was on Thursday. It was a very tight start as the girls went into quarter time down by two points. Uh, they lost the second quarter by five points. Uh, they still be in the contest at the main break, but really needing to go to another level to get themselves back in. However, what was said or done during the break clearly did the job as the Lynx came out, well, breathing fire, <laughs> leading to a positive margin of six points. So you know, six points in the uh, in the positive for them going into three-quarter time with the 27-14 third-quarter win. And just they just held off the comeback and run of Townsville in the remaining 10 minutes to clinch a victory with the barest of margins, 88-87, and take a 1-0 lead in the best of three series away against Townsville, who have been the best team in the competition all season long. Now, this margin probably could have been larger too. I got to see the last five or six minutes of this match uh, with PT, uh, personal training, uh, being in between that. But uh, the length having many free throw attempts to put the buffer between the two teams um, greater than what it should have been, just not doing the business. And that was reflected in their disappointing 13 of 21 at 62%. Um, Beyond the arc, however, was where they really hit their straps. 11 of 25 at 44%, up against 7 of 20 at 29% for the fire. Um, But realistically, um, that was where the big differences in this game stopped, with steals, turnovers, assists, rebounds, and even field goal percentage all having a differential of just one. This game, as discussed above, went right down to the wire, and any team could have won. You could say maybe that the Lynx should have won by slightly more, but hey, they got the job done. And Airy McDonald did it again. What a comeback, uh, hitting up 26 points, 9 assists. Uh, Vice-captain Amy Atwell, she was massive with 24 points, 5 rebounds, uh, many long bombs from her. And Emily Potter had a double-double with 14 points and 10 rebounds. Now skipping ahead to Game 2. And uh, coming back home in front of the Lynx Army on Sunday, uh, sort of midday, at the Bendat Basketball Centre, could they close the series out and march to a second grand final appearance 
in just three years. Well, the team in red got off to a really positive start going into quarter time with a five-point margin, uh, which was uh, to them, of course. Extended the lead to 12 points as they went into the main break. But no margin was ever enough. Even getting out to 15 or 16, the fire always hit back to four to six points before the Lynx would again counter. This was that constant David versus Goliath you know, kind of battle. Um, but a tight third term followed with ebbs and flows of momentum for both teams. Saw the lead cut back just marginally to 11 points, but that's nothing in the game of Basel and nothing for this Townsville Fire team. But the best team in the competition in the Fire would still come out and throw one last shot at the Lynx, winning the term by five points, but sadly for them, just not enough in the end. Um, an absolute elation for the Lynx, coming away with a strong 108 102 win and knocking out this absolutely stacked and talented team in straight sets bundled out of the finals. Now the Lynx you have to say had an incredible shooting night and it would take just that to beat this highly regarded bunch of reigning champions in Townsville. Uh, the Lynx shot at just well, the Lynx actually shot at 57% uh, compared to 44% uh, for the fire. 68% from two-pointers uh, for our Perth Lynx. And even 45% from, from the three-point line. Just insane. It's a really, really good clip. And whilst it's a big jump from 62% to 82% for free throws, so huge improvement, they still left points out there, especially seeing that Townsville were 20 of 21 from their free, free throw attempts. Now, Perth built this win on toughness and rebounding, winning the rebound count plus eight. Uh, they had seven more assists, but crazily, all of this despite 10 more turnovers. But we know how this team plays, and it came to the fore yet again, as it's been across the whole season, 37 fast break points and 15 made three-point attempts. If you ever wanted to see a style for a team and know exactly um, how they play, well, that's it right there. Now, Aaron McDonald just continued this late-season renaissance with 27 points, 11 assists, 9 of 16 from the field, 4 of 10 three-pointers. Vice-captain Amy Atwell, that's right, the, the dynamic duo, these two, um, she was at it again. Second-highest scorer with 27 points, or equal-highest, I guess, but 5 of 8 from three-point land. Emily Potter was simply superb for mine as uh, she scooped up everything uh, that, that did not go straight into the ring. 19 points, 13 rebounds, a terrific a double-double, and it would be unfair not to mention Captain Annalie Maley as she closed in on a triple-double. She had 15 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists, but more importantly, she was huge in the final term with uh, some really important key three-point finishes. Of course, with her massive hustle plays that we all know um, that defines Annalie Maley as a player. Now, the Lynx are now the first team into the grand final, and they will await the winner of the Southside Flyers and Melbourne Boomers when they play Game 3 on Wednesday night as the Grand Final Series is expected to start, I'm pretty sure, next Sunday. So it's, uh, of course, training, preparing, recovering, but uh, it's a w watch this space. The next two days you'll find out who your opponent is, but well played to the Lynx. Let's now head to the cricket pitch and talk a little bit of Western Warriors. It's all over. WA go back-to-back -back in the Marsh Cup. They win their 16th title. And that man on screen would have to be pretty close to the man of the match, Josh Inglis, his batting performance today. No rest for the wicket for the reigning and two-time defending Sheffield Shield champions, 
uh, just last week, the three-time consecutive championships in the ODI format as they welcomed Queensland for a very important Sheffield Shield clash to keep them in the hunt for making a finals appearance. Now, being sent into bat on a whacker wicket can be fraught with danger. Uh, and whilst Cam Bancroft was an early casualty, out for a duck, um, from there, a massive second win second wicket partnership followed on the back of Sam Whiteman's 79 and young gun Jaden Goodwin's debut 100, um, 115 in the end, uh, got the team up to 2 for 128, but you have to say that from 5 for 245 pretty good position, to lose the next 5 wickets for just 65 runs was probably a missed opportunity to get the score up to 350-400 and instead that to settle for being all out for 310 now how would Queensland respond on the same deck? Well, not that well, it turns out. Eventually being bundled out for 170 runs with a steady stream of wickets across the innings as the Warriors had the Bulls at 5 for 92 and 7 for 108. Maybe they could have put the foot on the throat sooner, but it was still a really positive and impressive bowling display. And this was on the back of a really even bowling unit with Joel Paris, Cam Gannon and Charlie Stover all picking up two wickets apiece. Um, Joel Paris's figures in particular of 2 for 15 from his 12 overs at a 1.25 economy rate, finding him almost unplayable. But just continuing on his terrific season with spinner Corey Roccaccioli, he picked up four wickets for just 54 runs. Now, the team in black and gold were hoping to really build on the lead of 140 runs that they had bowled themselves to. Uh, but the top four didn't set the world on fire, falling to four for 58, uh, with Jaden Goodwin unable to repeat his heroics falling for a duck, but entered Darcy short, 49 from 108. Very unlucky not to get the half century. And Josh Inglis, 136, not out, at a terrific clip off just 165 balls, um, which which is what the innings uh, needed and needed that big boost just to give them a really strong lead that was in the 300s and also thanks to some mid-20 scores from the lower order and contributors to, well, he did it again, not just with the ball, but with the bat, Joel Paris and Cam Gannon. So they uh, they declared 7 for 307 with a lead of 447, uh, Queensland getting to 1 for 56 at stumps on day three with 391 runs to win. That, of course, was yesterday on Sunday. And looking ahead uh, to Monday, today, the public holiday, and our West Australia win by 146 runs. Uh, they bowled out Queensland for 301. I'm just looking at those scores now live on the Cricket Australia app. And uh, our wicket takers are Cam Gannon, 3 for 49, uh, with an economy of 2.88. Joel Paris was, again, unplayable, an economy of 1.88. Corey Roccaccioli, 4 for 109, so 8 wickets for the innings. And uh, again, a reasonably steady stream of wickets for the most part. They had them at 4 for 81, so in, and even 5 for 117. A lot of strife there. And uh, they had a couple of partnerships in the 6th and the 7th wicket, but eventually uh, managed to take, so what, they were at 6 for 193, managed to take the last 4 wickets uh, for, about, uh, for about 8 runs. So just... No, sorry, 108 runs. Just needed to carry the one there. Nonetheless, they got the job done. Now, what does that mean for our, for of course, our team in the black and the gold? So let's let's go to the series. Let's go to the Sheffield Shield and let's see what it looks like. No, that's the one-day cup. I want the Sheffield Shield stats. Where are we? Get the KFC Big Bash. Come on, give me the um, the Sheffield Shield table. I <laughs> gotta love live recording when you're actually trying to find a table that you do need. Uh, we've got the Marsh One Day Cup. Where's the other one though? I'm gonna keep coming up. Come on, give it to me. 
All right, we're going to skip it there because we don't want to just bore you with um, those kinds of details. But they're right in the mix now. They needed an outright win. They got it, and they've got one more match to come. I think it might be against Victoria, but don't quote me on that. So we're going to leave it there for the Western Warriors. Let's now head to the Rectangular Stadium, talk a little bit of Super Rugby. Going, sending it the other way. Hitting the line at pace was Bury. Tizano can't get it away, but now he can to Williams. It's off to Tim Horton. Horton looking to do it himself. Oh, yes. Spectacular. Quick ball. Harry Potter playing scrummy. Linking backs and forwards. A little bit of an overrun, but cool as ice as Carlo Tizano. Picks his man beautifully. And the skill over here from the... Well, the next game couldn't come around any sooner for the Western Force. Um, this is our, this was after the team just put up a disastrous start to the new season with the Rebels away up on the agenda. And maybe a good opportunity to get out of Perth and get some much-needed momentum and take a big reset after, as we said last week's just terrible way to begin their season. However, the Force imploded, conceding 29 unanswered points to lose 34-48. In a game where tries were free-flowing, the Force stormed to a 34-19 lead shortly after the main halftime break. And having overcome some early unforced errors and mistakes that really plagued them the week before to still punish the Rebels. However, it was a capitulation, and all in just an eight-minute period, where they surrendered a 15-point lead Gave up four tries in a row uh, to make it back-to-back -back losses to open the season. Now, in the second half in particular, the team in blue just fell away completely, giving up 62% possession to the Rebels, uh, spending 56% of the time in the Rebels' half. Despite having 11 less carries, the Force still garnered and gathered 61 more metres of run time. So, don't know how that happened. 61 more metres of, uh, you know... Time with the ball in your hands, going for run, but 11 less carries. Don't know how that works out. Our one improvement from last week, though, was reducing the differential between defenders beaten, as it was only one this week. Uh, but what didn't change was turnovers. They conceded 16, and they had eight more turnovers compared to the Rebels, leading into penalties conceded as well, plus six and 14 in total. It's simply way too many for mine. Uh, they still need to also work on the ruck situation, losing this category minus 14, and the scrums, they, uh, the scrums, unfortunately, um, they just had, uh, they just weren't in the mix and weren't in the game that they needed to. Now, to the surprise of no one, of course, uh, the Western Force, they sit dead last on the ladder, and they will stay on the road and take on the Brumbies at Geo Stadium in Canberra, on Saturday, about midday our time. Alright, we're going to leave it there for the Western Force. And uh, we're going to head to the pitch. Talk a little bit of football and some Perth Glory men. Glory, glory, Perth Glory. The bottom bottom of the table, Western United, were on the cards for this glory team, just pushing and striving to climb up the ladder, needing big points to keep this run of good form rolling in a pivotal away clash. But uh, let's get to the crux of it. The boys conceded eventually in the 53rd minute, with the home team having the lion's share of chances to score. And the equaliser just couldn't be created, despite having a clear-cut opportunity in the diamonds in particular, when Daryl Lutchman, deep in the United defence, headed a geocolded corner, which hit the bar, and Daniel Benny, by himself, 
was unable to force home the rebound despite being centimetres out from the goal line and right in front of it too. A golden opportunity missed to at least get a draw. Now, hence the six-game undefeated streak comes to an end against a bottom side, albeit a deceptively rising and confidence bottom side. Now, Vigori had just 37% ball possession, minus 12 goal attempts, 0-7 to seven shots on goal. But possibly if it wasn't for plus six goalkeeper saves, this game could have had a much more lopsided scoreline. Plus one shots off goal. Um, so it was just more so they just couldn't get the ball right where they needed to be in between the posts. So, But even still, the goal attempts, they had minus 12. Um, they did generate seven more free kicks, but th that's where the ascension of sort of uh, form and possession uh, sort of stopped for the Perth Glory. Minus 52 attacks, minus 47 dangerous attacks, and that turned into plus 21 clearances completed for the Glory, from their defensive line. So a dirty, dirty day for the glory. Um, and as a result, they, they're still sitting ninth, so they haven't really changed too much. But uh, they're eight points off top six, the Newcastle Jets, um, who are next up on Saturday evening. And they're very much hunting and wanting the wanting uh, to get a little bit higher than the Perth glory, where they sit at the moment. So we're going to leave it there for the men. Let's now head over to the women and talk a little bit of football. Striking from range. Oh my! Range Charlie. Take a bow. Unbelievable strike. Coming in at a rate of knots. And the World Cup hero goes. Now the back. girls just needed a win so badly. I feel like I've been saying this for the last three weeks, but it just hasn't come after a poor pass two months of form. One win in their last ten matches. With Newcastle next up for a tough away clash with a team hunting their spot in the top six. Now a positive was needed, and whilst it was a fortuitous way to go 1-0 up, they would make it with a two, uh, a second-minute own goal from the Jets, albeit from a daring cross from Millie Farrow that put the defence under the pump. From there, though, the attacking spots and run dried up, and eventually, despite the Herculean efforts of Morgan Aquino uh, in goals to prevent and hold off the Jets for as long as they did, it was a superb strike in the 77th minute uh, by the Jets to break the wall and even up the ledger to one all. And that's how the game would end as both teams walked away with a point. However, this game was dominated by the Jets. Make no two bones about it, and I'll tell you why. Um, and the facts are that uh, 3.08 expected goals to the Jets, 61% ball possession. And shockingly bad from a Perth Glory perspective, 6-40, to 4-0 goal attempts, 0-9 to nine shots on goal, 3-19 to 19 shots off goal, block shots even minus 9. They had 27 less attacks and 40 less dangerous attacks. The game being defined by 16 more clearances completed in defence by the Perth Glory. The girls still sit in 6 spots surprisingly, but Newcastle are breathing down their neck, equal on points. But uh, the Glory have a slightly better goal difference. Now, with four games remaining, next up is Wellington on Friday night at home. And clearly, what is yet another must-win game to get their season back on track. Yeah, that's right. That's it. That's the end of Season 4, Episode 18, the WA Domestic Sports Weekly Wrap, where we continue to say it, but by God, do the Perth Glory women need a victory, and they need it soon because time is running out for them to keep their spot in the top six. Uh, the Perth Glory men, their run of great form, undefeated six games. That's come to an end um, in a, a pretty poor way, to be honest. And the Western Force, well, zero for two, and uh, just gave up the lead, just unnecessary penalty, penalties, 
unnecessary turnovers. They've got to tidy that up out of their game, and they've got to do it quickly because it's not a long Super Rugby season, and uh, it'll be over in no time. Uh, the Western Warriors got the win that they needed to stay in the hunt, and uh, tell you what, I, I was searching for the uh, for the standings, and I couldn't find them, so great sort of in quotation marks, live recording. But here we are. Western Australia have jumped up to second. Um, so they're still one outright win away from first in regards to being able to host the final. But technically, they're still in second. But uh, I was right in regards to they are playing Victoria away in their last clash. And who's who's sitting third? Who who may take their spot? Well, it's uh, it's the Victorian... Uh, actually, I don't even know what, what, what they call themselves. So the Victorian Victorians. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's basically another must, uh, another must win. They have to win against Victoria, um, fingers crossed, or maybe they could possibly get away with a draw and still make it into the final. But, yeah, at the moment, in a pretty good spot. And lastly, the Perth Lynx. Well, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Um, 2-0 against the top of the table, this dominant behemoth of a Townsville Fire team. And they just shot the lights out. Aaron McDonald was the star of the two-game series. Amy Atwell, probably second. And Emily Potter, not far behind her. But you've got to take your hat off to these girls. Gutsy, um, you know, just absolutely written off. Um, slithered their way into the finals, but haven't they made it count? Now, if you haven't already, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a rating and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Instagram. And as touched on at the start of the show, our AFL podcast, the review... Uh, and the preview, but uh, it's going to be firstly a season 2024 preview. That's going to be coming out in the coming days. AFL is back, ladies and gentlemen. Believe it or not, it's only early March, but it's upon us. But uh, from out about yours truly, get listening, get excited, and uh, I'm out for now.